despair. Jesus took on him there, and Calvary covers it all. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Let's all stand and take our Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 20, 1 Samuel chapter number 20. I am grateful for this church and this place where there's still hymns being sung, and we have a pastor that preaches the Word of God from the KJV, and it's still standing strong, and this place is full. We got a lot to be grateful for, and... uh, you know, there's a lot of churches out there that's got a fellow that comes up there in Bermuda shorts and some sandals. And uh, I'll tell you what, we got a pastor who preaches the Word of God, and I am grateful for that. First Samuel chapter number 20, I'm glad that you're here. We see a lot, I see a lot of visitors in here today, and thank you for giving us a visit. Uh, please don't judge the church by this morning, okay, in this message. Wait and come back and hear pastor. Because uh, he's an excellent preacher. I preach to children. And so if I close my eyes, they let me make a lot of mistakes. So have some grace with me today, all right? So First Samuel chapter number 20, verse number 3. The Bible says, And David swear moreover, and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Now we know this is a story of Saul trying to kill David. And he was hunting him down. And David says here, there's but a step between me and death. I would like to take a title from that today on the next step. The next step. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We're grateful for your people. We're thankful for your house and the Word of God. And we just pray that you would help the Word of God convict hearts. Lord, help it to convict my heart. Lord, I know in a crowd this size there are people lost here today without you. Never been converted, never been born again. Father, I just pray, Lord, you'd help us, each one of us, to seriously think about where we're going to go when we die. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that Calvary covers it all. In Jesus' name, amen. I usually don't pick a title just out of a verse. I like to preach a little expository. It keeps me on track. But if not, we're just going to be everywhere. But the next step, I want to preach for a little while on the next step. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter number six, uh, Acts chapter number 9, where we're going to see a story of the uh, Saul changed to the Apostle Paul. But before we do... The other day, I got a call from James Hoffmeister, who's a missionary in Trinidad sometimes, and he, call, he came over here, and, uh, well, he's always preaching evangelistically, and that's a blessing. He's winning souls. And then Pastor Ben, they're like, hey, you want to go play disc golf? Disc golf is not my thing. I, you know, chuck a Frisbee around, chase it. Okay, great. Um, but he's like, I want to get some steps in. Steps. He's all about steps, you know. My watch says 10,000 steps, 12,000 steps. Doctor says the more steps you do, the better off you are. Your activity ring is closed and whatever else. 
So that day we sat down at the table and we pull out the phone and it said I did 23,992 steps. And I thought, that's pretty good. That's a lot of steps. But David said, there's a step between me and death. One step. Now, a while back, it's been 15 years ago, my wife comes out to me and I'm washing the car on at my house. And she says, hey, can you watch Jerry? Sure, he's two years old. Like, I got him. No issue. We live by a road that's fairly busy. And I'm here washing the car, which is rare for me. I never washed the car. And uh, we had this pebble rock that was fairly large. And I am a tenderfoot. I don't go anywhere without shoes. I never walk on things that are pointy and sharp. Legos, I hate them. You know, you will hear a whelp like you've never heard before. So I'm out here washing the car. And I'm supposed to be watching Jerry. Well, we live by a busy road. Here's the road. They didn't put speed humps in. And I looked down and washing. I had to get this wheel real nice and shiny. And I'm like, where's Jerry? It was about one minute. I look up and Jerry's in the road. In the middle of the road. I'm a tenderfoot. I didn't even think about my feet. I didn't think about how many steps I took to get out to the road. But I'm telling you what, I was like (laughs) Spider-Man. Gliding across the rocks. And now, coming back, I'm trying to just find a place where it's not too pointy. But I didn't count how many steps I went to get my son. But let me tell you this. I want to preach for just a little while on steps. And I'm going to preach on the first step to becoming a Christian. The first step. Some people in here have never even took the first step to become a Christian. Acts chapter 9. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. Now Saul thought he was doing God's business by killing people. And desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now this first part we know is talking about Paul's conversion. Paul's conversion. You know, the first step, To becoming a Christian is to be converted. The Bible says this, ye must be born again. Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. We have people in here who are just like Saul, changed to Paul. But before he did, he was a Pharisee. You know, you look good on the outside, but God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart which nobody else can see. They don't know what you do on Friday or Saturday or Sunday. And guess what? God cares and God sees. 
No one else may see, but God sees. And God knows all. You think, you know, I mean, everybody in here thinks, I remember the first step that I had to become a Christian. I was sitting right over there. And I thought, man, I'm a, I'm a good kid. I mean, everybody in here thinks I'm saved. And what would happen to me if I actually made that choice to go down and get born again? Everybody in here thinks I'm saved. You know, there are people sitting in here right now that everybody thinks you're saved. And you know in your heart you're lost. You're not saved. You're not born again. You've never been born again. I remember that first step and I thought to myself, oh man, what are people going to think? I was sitting right there. And the preacher was preaching and it was hot and it was about hell. And if you don't have God, you're going to hell. That was pretty clear. He talked about opening the lid of hell and seeing the rich man inside. And I'm I'm thinking, I don't want to go to hell. I don't care who's looking. I don't care who's watching. It doesn't matter. And at that moment, God was convicting me. And I turned in that first step. That was the hardest step. I ever took in my life. It was the first step to humble myself and say I was lost and I was a sinner. And I sat right there in that first step I went over. After I took that first step, I asked Jesus Christ to save me. What a change. It was a hard step. But you know what? Glad I did it. The first step is conversion. Ye must be born again. My mind races in scripture of about King Agrippa, where he said, almost, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And if I could do anything to the whole church, the whole body here today, I would say, please become a Christian before it's too late. There's one step between you and death. My father died of a massive heart attack at 55 One step between him and death. It didn't matter if he was a preacher. It didn't matter if everybody thought he was saved. When he stood before God, it was all him. All by himself. And guess what? They're not going to think, well, this guy gave money. He's a good dude. Yeah, let him in. He helped some old ladies. Not happening. Because God said it's his way. You see, my mind races of the rich young ruler who said, good master. He was talking to Jesus Christ himself. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know what? He went away grieved. Many people will leave here today grieved because they never accepted Jesus Christ. God made it real simple. I think of the rich man in Lazarus. Turn to Luke chapter number 16. Scripture says it better than I could ever say it. Luke chapter number 16, verse number 19. The Bible says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. 
And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. Likewise, Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us, there's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. You know, he was thinking about his brothers. Hell is not a place you want to go. One step. That rich man had the finest of clothes, the finest of food, one step from death, one day, and he woke up in hell. Now here's my question to you. The Bible says examine yourself whether ye be in the faith. Whether ye be in the faith. If you're not in the faith, then you're on your way to hell. Clearly, according to Scripture, you know, one of the 12 disciples that we all know who was a traitor, his name was Judas. He walked in the footsteps of God Almighty. He kissed the door of heaven and he went to hell. You say, well, I'll never be a traitor, but I'm telling you this much. Could you imagine what Judas saw? He's watching the footsteps of Jesus. And he's looking and he's seeing, he sees someone raised from the dead. Now, don't you think if you saw somebody raised from the dead, could you imagine going to a funeral? Here's the casket. Jesus comes in and says, hey, arise. Wow. I think I would be changed forever. Don't you think? Would you be careful about telling somebody about that? Hey, my grandma died. She's back again. (laughs) So how'd that happen? CPR? I mean, no, Jesus just called her name. And then you see him take blind eyes and heal him. Hey, can you see anything? The guy's like, no. And Jesus goes, and he could see. And you know what happens? Judas sees that. He watched all those things, how he took deaf ears, someone dumb, someone crazy. The maniac of Gadara couldn't even keep his clothes on and ripped apart chains. Sitting clothed and in his right mind. And you know what he's saying? All I know is, man, Jesus changed me. The only one that can change you is Jesus Christ. The only one that can change you. You can try a new diet. I've tried about five. (laughs) None of them are working. (laughs) Don't you love the new year? It's like, oh, you know what? I found one that I kind of like. You come see me afterwards, I'll tell you what it is. (laughs) Just kidding. It's the carnivore diet. It's just meat. It's a real thing, okay? 
But we all try new things. We try, oh, you know what, 2020, 2023, a new year, new me. I'm telling you right now, God is the only one that can change your sin-sick soul. And that first step, it's the hardest one. It's, you have to humble yourself. September 16, 1996, you see these steps here? This is the first step right here. And I took that first step, and God saved me. And then it led me to the next step. That's our second point. The next step. The next step was baptism. And then the next step was some, I never even joined the church, but I've been here a long time. <laughs> so I'm one of those members. I didn't know you had to join the church. So if you hadn't joined the church, you're part of the church. Okay? If you're saved, you're part of the church. And then I started giving. Then I started telling. Then I started going. You know what all of these were? They were next steps. Now, the next step. This is really important. The next step is changing. And you know what all of us don't like? is change. Everyone in here is on a different level of being a Christian. We have, new, we have lost people in here. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but there are lost people in here. How many times has pastor been preaching on salvation the last couple Sundays? No one moves. No one says they're lost, but they're sitting amongst us. Twelve disciples, and one of them was a traitor and was lost. You know what God was trying to do till Judas betrayed him? Say, you're the one. He wanted him to admit that he was the one and that he could be saved, but he never did. Then he had Pharisees. We like to ridicule the Pharisees. Do you know how good the Pharisees were? They were really, really good. They tithed on everything. That meant their hours of the day. They tithed on all their spices. Ladies, they go home to the cupboard. <laughs> Your paprika, shake it out. <laughs> Measure it. How do you know what a tenth is? You think about that? You got to measure it. So they're taking, maybe they had lemon pepper back then. I have no idea. But lemon pepper, paprika, sage, all these things that you put into food. And you know what they would do? They'd measure it out. And they'd come and they'd give it. That's more than you do. You don't even tithe on your time to God. You don't tithe on the gross or the net. I, don't, I always get those words confused. But you know what? They did that, and the Bible says they were lost. They looked good on the outside, and you talk about praying a prayer. They could pray a prayer. Except for the one in Luke. He wasn't that smart. He could pray a prayer. But I'm telling you, the next step is for everybody in here. So everybody's on a different level. Some are lost. Some just got saved. Some been saved and baptized. And some been saved, baptized, church membership, and now they started giving. Here's the next step. No matter where you are, Christian, non-Christian, some of you need to take the first step. 
The next step is saying, God, what can you do? Be careful when you pray that prayer. God, what can you do? Because God can show you what he can do. And it's absolutely amazing. But I don't know if we really want it. You know what I tell new Christians all the time? To jump in with both feet. This is a Sunday morning crowd. It's not a Sunday night crowd. You know, there's church on Sunday night, just so you know. And there's church on Wednesday night. It's amazing to me that the church of God becomes optional. You know, the Bible says, why is the house of God forsaken? (laughs) You know what? People aren't going. Let me tell you something. You know what God wants to do? Take you to the next level. You know what that is? That's the next step. You say, God, what would happen if I really did that? That's so scary. It is. But that's where God wants you. Turn to Luke chapter number four. Luke four. We're talking about the next step. Or Luke five, sorry. The Bible says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And saw two ships standing by the lake. Never forget Brother Farley's message about ships standing. You ever seen a ship stand? He said it was like this. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of them, one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop. Now, was Jesus a fisherman? No. But you know what Simon said? What can God do? That's what he said. And Simon answered, he said, Master, we've toiled all night, taken nothing. Who's the fisherman? Simon's the fisherman. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. You ask, what can God do? And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Only God can do that. Now, here's what we like doing, church. And this is where it gets a little bit personal because I already talked to the lost people. I already talked to some of the saved people. Now we're talking about the next step. You know, if somebody came to me and said, Jeremy, this is water down here. You just have to jump in. Okay? Do you know that in some water, it's so cold, it takes your breath away? Yeah, it only has to be like 50 degrees and it's freezing. I went to the Titanic and those people that were in the water. If you could put your hand in that water for over a minute, it, you, you, you're just numb everywhere. We like testing the waters. Uh, Man, the water's good. Hey, it's fine. You can jump in. You know what God says? Launch. Launch. This is where we don't like taking the next step. Because we're all on different levels. You know what God wants to do with you? He wants to take your giving to a different level. The next level. You know, uh, I I read this story and I I, I need to uh, tell it to you here. After successfully establishing a restaurant chain, two banks, a ranch, 
farm and real estate ventures, Jerry Caven says that when the real, that's when the real fun started. At age 59, I was headed into retirement, looking for a nice lake home. Then God changed our plans, led Merrill and me to put our money and time overseas. It's been exciting before we gave token amounts. Now we put substantial money into missions. Our hearts are in another country now. We visit and minister there often. What changed the Caven's attitude toward giving? It was realizing God's ownership that got through to us. Once we understood we were giving away God's money to God's work, we had a peace and joy we never had back when we thought it was our money. After seeing the way poor Christians in other countries trust Him, we've asked God if He wants us to give away all our money. He hasn't led us to do that yet, but we've meant it when we asked. Jerry says a non-Christian couple saw us giving, saw how much it excited and changed us. Then they started giving too, even before knowing Christ. They saw the joy and they wanted in on it. He added, one of the big results of our giving is that we no longer hold things too close to our hearts. We can let them go, realizing they won't last, but we will. What can God do through giving? July 1997, a man named Daniel J. Arnold. 1997, that's not so long ago. This is in our time frame. I was at the History's Handful World Briefing in Breckenridge, Colorado at the end of an event. Macro Margros from the Sudan spoke and said that when he questioned God in the midst of discouragement as to how they could ever reach the Sudan for the Great Commission, the plan and task being so large, Macrum told us that God said, I can do what I tell you to do. When the pledge cards were given out, I prayed, Lord, I'm tapped out right now. You know, I've already promised more than I can do. I'm on my line of credit at the business, $650,000, but that's me. What can you do that you would tell me to do? To my amazement, God spoke the name of the director of a particular region into my ear. Playing along and not sure if it was God or me. You ever been there? <laughs> Lord, is that God? I want to make sure it's God. I turned to his request and looked. Everything on the page went dark. But the name of a particular city in this region, which rose up from the page... After the event, I asked the director which funding request was most important to his work. He said the name of that same city. I made the pledge and within a week felt a strong need to visit the country. This city was in. This I can now explain as a call by God. I made arrangements, went to visit the staff. God moved supernaturally throughout the trip and was with me in a very strong presence. The first citizen of the country I met was a taxi driver who picked me up at the border. As I spoke to him about the purpose of my trip, he exclaimed with a bright smile, Jesus, I like Jesus very much. He had seen the Jesus film, which was the main tool used in the funding project. I can still remember thinking he was going to crash the car because his eyes were so filled with tears as I prayed with him asking Jesus to forgive his sins as he drove us to the city. This and many other examples were given to me by God to express what, this, what his will was that I would become involved in, funding the Great Commission. And he was very much pleased by my prayer. He revealed his hand to me as never before on this trip. And now as I look back on my journey as a Christian into supernatural grace as God's co-worker, it began with a simple prayer. What can you do, God? This was more to do with my life than about money. God was after my heart. He broke it open and touched it through the experience 
that has defined my purpose for life on this earth. Remember that first story? The guy was 59 years old. You know what we have in here? We've got retired people in here thinking, God, what, what can you do with my life? Every single person in here is somewhere in here. First step or the next step. That next step may be baptism. And that could be a hard step for some. But what's the next step? Uh, I'm talking about church membership. I'm talking about making a commitment. What would God do? What can you do, God? You know what we like doing? We like adding God to our life. God, this is where you fit. And God wants to be the center. Okay, okay, God. (laughs) Here I am. What can you do? Are you afraid to ask God what he could do with your life? You know why we don't ask that? We're afraid of what God might say. He might say, brother, I want you to be a missionary. I want you to take that business and sell it. But Lord, I worked so hard on this house for so long. And God says, what can I do? And these fellas look back and you read these stories, every one of them, they have something in common. You know what they all say? When I realized everything was God's. You have nothing and can take nothing with you. Very wealthy people. And you know where they found happiness? (laughs) Giving it away. Giving it away. That next step may be saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give to missions. These guys started giving 75% of their income. They were already giving 30% of their income. You would say, in the average Baptist church, that's a pretty good giver. And God said, give me 75%. You know what God did? God, what can you do? And then... Maybe God wants you to say, you know what? I'm going to start I'm going to start getting my kids in this school. And then I'm going to start giving more. I want to go soul winning on a Saturday. Be careful. God, what can you do? God can help you win a soul. He'll put somebody out there needy and hungry, and when you tell them about Jesus Christ, they get saved. You know what happens? <laughs> There's a fire in your heart that says, I want to do that again and again and again. What about surrendered? What about sold out? You remember we're preaching about change. It's the next step. This is the change we don't like talking about. God, what can you do? And then what can you do with me? There's nowhere that's off limits. You want me to do something? I'll do it. But you know what we like doing? keeping that back here for a rainy day. Always like having that $10,000 right over here just in case. You know what's going to happen in 2023, right? Have you heard the news? Have you watched Telegram? Have you heard that one guy who's really, really smart? And you know what we do? We don't get surrendered. You know what God wants us to say? He wants us to come down to an altar and say, God, Whatever, whenever, however, I'm ready. 
And you know what happens? God says, all right, Chris, you're going to be a missionary. You're going to be a pastor. Because I'm going to show you what I can do. The nets were full. The nets broke. No one else can do that. Only God does. Are you ready for the next step? So in closing, the first step is salvation. It's being converted. I don't care what anybody in here thinks. You need to ask yourself this question. Am I prepared to meet God? If I take one step between me and death, am I ready to meet my maker? Judas wasn't. The Pharisees weren't. Agrippa wasn't. The rich man wasn't. The rich young ruler wasn't. And you know what? There's people in here today that aren't ready to meet God because they've never taken the first step. You can never take the next step until you take the first step. If you want to see God do something with your life, take the next step. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I know that I'm asking adults in the 20th century to be honest because God can see your heart. I am burdened for folks in here that are lost without God. Everyone knows it. Maybe no one knows it, but you know it. You know you're lost without God. And if you took one step and death was there, you wouldn't be ready to meet God. How many of you in here could say, Pastor Jeremy, I am 100% for sure I'm ready to meet God today. Today, would you slip your hand up?